It was nice to have the opportunity with my family to travel these past few weeks and to visit some family. I don't think, though, that some of my children remember just what that trip entailed. We got into the car, and we had no longer than just left, barely left Payson, and they started asking, are we out of Arizona yet? And of course, we, we had to stop to get a new canteen for someone that was missing one. Our trip got a little bit delayed on the start, and, and then someone had to use the bathroom, but we were well on our way. A half hour out, we were now leaving Star Valley. <laughs> it was a bit of a long trip, but... Really, when it comes down to it, it's worth it to see family. And it was a long trip back, but it's worth it to come back home. You know, this is kind of what Peter has been doing throughout this letter. He's helping us with perspective to see there are times when you will go through trials and the road will seem very hard. And as you face those various trials, Peter wants us to look to the goal. And he wants us to remember, even as life gets difficult and we suffer, And the road seems so long, he says, you are following Christ. Keep your eyes on the goal as you go from cross to crown. Today we look at the final portion of his letters. As Peter closes his letter, he makes several points very important for us as we finish our journey going from cross to crown, following Christ. Peter reminds us today that there is short suffering, but it's followed by eternal glory. Here in uh, chapter 5, as he closes his letter, First Peter makes it important for us to realize as we journey and as we follow Christ, it requires humility, lowering ourselves. Maybe the, the trials that we face sometimes do that to us, but even as things go well, to not become proud or arrogant as we travel on our road, but to be humble. He says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of us probably as we grow up know how challenging this is. Or maybe as we're older, we see how challenging it is for those younger than us. But it's not just a generational thing. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Remember in the first part of his letter, Peter talked about girding up the loins of your mind getting dressed, getting ready for the journey. Well, here he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. And it begins with, he says, humility towards one another, fellow believers. Think back for how your journey has gone. Maybe you weren't sitting in a van with several other small children for several hours, but maybe there were times in the past past few days where maybe you just ran out of a little bit of patience, And that the other person next to you, whether it was your spouse, a friend, or some other person, experienced the bad side of you. How much more that sometimes even happens within the Christian home. where Humility is no longer there, but you become the center of your world, and everyone that gets in your way gets put down. Peter says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another towards your spouse, towards your children, towards your friend, towards the the person who's giving you a hard time. All of you. But more than that, clothe yourselves because God opposes the proud. 
When you start lifting yourself up and you start putting yourself over others, Peter reminds you, God is against you. You can't win that one. And that person that maybe you're putting down and trying to put yourself over, he says, God shows favor to the humble. As we journey from cross to crown, God flips around the world's ways. In the world, as you're trekking along the way, it's easier to think if you have the high ground, if you have the path that you want, and you put others down, you'll, you'll go well and things will go well. But Peter says, no, that, that's not it. God opposes you if you lift yourself up. He's against you. But that person that lowers themselves, that takes the lower path, and lets others go first as they yield to others around them. It says God shows favor to them, to the humble. And as we journey, Peter reminds us, it's not just humbling yourself to your neighbor and the people around you. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. The Christian walk in life not only involves kindness and humility to others, but recognizes we are under God and under his mighty hand. Now to the unbeliever, that's terrifying to be under the hand of a mighty God. But Peter says this with comfort. You are suffering, believer. You are facing, as he mentioned through this letter, persecution, mocking, hardships, trials, suffering of various kinds. But he says you're under God's hand. It might seem like that person that put you down has you under their thumb. But he says, no, no, you're believer, you're under God's hand. And it might seem like when persecution comes along and the the church is downtrodden, that the devil's winning. But he reminds us, Christian, you're you're still under the hand of a mighty God. As we say in that hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. And Peter reminds us, humble yourself under God's hand that he may lift you up. You'll never lift yourself out of the trials. You'll never pull yourself out of the pains and suffering. But, But God... He will lift you up in due time. There will be time of suffering. Peter says in verse 10, after you've suffered a little while, it's on God's time that you journey from cross to crown. And there will be a little while of suffering. But in due time, in God's time, he will lift you up. And you can be certain of that. Peter says, cast your anxiety on him. The same God who is watching you suffer, he says, he cares for you. It may seem when you face hardships or God allows those trials to come in your life that maybe he doesn't care. And it can be hard to humble yourself under a God who seems to be oppressive, but he's not. His mighty hand is there as a God who's watching over you. And Peter says, you can turn to him. You can throw all of your concerns off of yourself and onto him as you suffer. Let him carry them because he cares for you. But unlike our God, there is one who doesn't. We should humble ourselves under God. But when it comes to the devil, resist him. Stand against him. It's kind of funny how often it's the opposite. We submit ourselves to the devil We buy into his deceptions and we don't resist the devil and we fight against our God. But Peter says, you've been called to glory. You now stand against the devil and under God. So he says, be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. God's not your enemy. He's not the one that's causing all this trouble. The one who wants things to go bad for you, the one who wants to destroy and devour you, is the devil. He wants to see you fall into despair. He wants to see you in those trials to succumb to temptation and turn against God and to defy your God. The devil is your enemy. He is the one who opposes you. He is the one who does not care for you. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, I I love watching those nature shows where it shows how God created this world and the order of creation, but because of the fall into sin, creatures devour one another. And a lion will look for its prey as it crouches in hiding. And it won't go after that, that one who's with the flock and that part of the herd that's difficult to get at. No, it will look for the, the one who's uh, opportune to devour, the one who's maybe straggling a little bit away from the flock, or the one who's slowed down in their walk and can't keep up because they don't see the goal. The devil, it says, is looking for someone to devour. He's not just going to take opportunity when he sees you stumbling. He's actively looking for you to stumble and to devour you, to take the, the flock, as we looked at in our last section of this reading, to take the flock and to find those who are straying from the flock, who aren't gathering with God's flock, and who are maybe weak in their faith and who he can easily devour. He says, be alert. Be of sober mind and resist him. When you watch those nature shows, sometimes there'll be that that innocent calf or that weak part of the flock that is straying and the lions have started to go after it. But then sometimes you'll see they turn and even though they're the prey, they'll turn against their attacker and the rest of the flock will gather around it to protect it. He says, resist him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when when the devil's temptations come, you once were helpless. As we sing in that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, we had no equal. We could not stand against this enemy, the devil, who's like a lion and we are like sheep. But now that we are in Christ and we are in his flock, the instruction is there. Resist him. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith. And as the Apostle Paul tells us, When we resist him, he will flee. He cannot devour those who are in the fold of Christ. He cannot forcibly take you away from your God and your security in Christ. Stand firm in the faith. And you're not alone as you resist the devil. The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing that that same kind of trial as you. The trial of struggling to submit the trial of wondering what is happening is that due time when God will lift you up seems so far away. When the devil wants you to fall into despair, to separate from the flock and be devoured, Peter says, you're not alone. You have a shepherd, as he mentioned us previously, and you have a flock with you. But most of all, the God of all grace, he says. Isn't that a title for our God? He's not the God who puts you down. He's the God of all grace, of undeserved love, the God of all grace who called you. There you are, called to the flock of God. Peter has mentioned this throughout his letter, how you were called and chosen by God, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. 
after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Notice our goal in Christ. It's not just to reach those grassy plains where we'll survive for a week or a summer. You have been called to eternal glory in Christ. And the, the suffering right now, he says, it's, it's a little while, but you'll be restored. He doesn't say, you will restore yourself or you'll lift yourself up. He says, the God of all grace will himself, according to his glory in Christ, will restore, will strengthen, will establish you. Because you are following Christ from cross to crown. Maybe we've struggled in our efforts to submit, to humble ourselves to one another and to God. And we deserve to be devoured by the enemy as we have strayed away and we've not always stood firm as we ought. Have we always resisted the devil? Shouldn't we be devoured and destroyed by this time? But we know one, the God of all grace, who came to defeat our enemy. He faced the suffering for a little while. Christ, the Son of God, came down. And yes, when the devil came with his temptations, he resisted in the way that we could not. And when the devil sought to devour this man, he did not fail. He could not fail. Christ, the perfect Son of God, was told he could perhaps receive all blessings if he just took the easy road, if he just put himself over all the other people around him. But instead, Christ humbled himself, making himself lower than all those around him, humbling himself under the Father's plan and under the hand of God to become what we need, our victory and our Savior. He dies on the cross so that we might be set free from the devil. And he rises showing his victory over the devil, which Peter mentioned in chapter 3, proclaiming that he has won. And the living Christ now tells us who have been called into eternal glory, you will follow him after you've suffered a little while. From cross, you will follow Christ to crown. So Peter concludes here, to him, that is to our God, be the power forever and ever. Amen. The letter concludes with the grace of God as we follow Christ from cross to crown. Amen.